welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And a reminder, as always, if you're enjoying us to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us to friends, family, colleagues, whoever, follow us on the social media, slide into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at Feminists Without Mystique, Twitter at FWM Podcast, and we would love to, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, apologies for <clears throat> my audio again. I'm still <laughs> without all my shit. Uh moving trucks <laughs> will be coming one day they haven't left the state i left two and a half weeks ago but <laughs> you know fingies crossed uh, yeah fingies it's not like you you know it's not like you were like oh we'll pay like them you know you you paid like a what i would call money. a premium <laughs> a premium yeah because gas prices you know oh. um yeah paid a lot of money and at this point feel like a bit of a, a bit of a fool I'm thinking about those items I was so I cared so much about and I'm sort of like do I need any clothes or I've got like one shirt that's not like a I was gonna say jizzy not literally jizzy but like janky tanky janky tank top don't you I mean you have work tops that you've been presumably wearing a there's mm-hmm. one shirt that, I mean this is a t-shirt which mm-hmm. I've been rocking um but there's one shirt. It got covered in asbestos at one point. Um, oh, wow. But it's clean now. And I've been wearing it almost every, pretty much whenever I leave the house. Um, so, anyway. Does Ikea shirt sell shirts? <laughs> I mean, they have shirts in the closets in the display rooms. And sometimes yeah. they're cute. And I've thought about, you know, could I haggle for one of these? But... <laughs> Anyway, this is not depressing news. This is not the important issue to dive deep on, but just uh, flagging for those who are curious. For those who are like, oh my God. She had a good mic and now she doesn't. It's, it's somewhere. It's on a truck. Oh, it's on a truck making its way to you. Who knows when? But Who knows? It's like when someone like gets you a birthday gift late, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's fun. That's, you know exciting yeah. i wasn't expecting that i feel like you know when all my furniture comes on christmas it'll be <laughs> great yeah oh i'm sorry about that that is yucky it's fine there are worse things in the world like there are Depp. Yeah. <laughs> i think i see a segue um yeah wow wowie Wowie, we hate women, don't we, America? I think I fell prey to some of the propaganda that was um, on TikTok and different memes and stuff on Twitter, the conversations, the hashtags, the sort of like memification basically of the trial right when it started. It was like people were so ready with the facts they already had on hand or like the pseudo facts or the manipulation of like small clips that had already made their way through the UK trial. Um and I think that we were both in that conversation being like, okay, we'll, we'll see what we learn from this. Um, but I, you were, you were more heavily like in the anti Johnny Depp camp and I was trying, and I was a little bit like, okay, 
they're both bad, which I now kind of <laughs> regret because it was sort of, I think Amber Heard, I mean, I just feel so frustrated with the coverage overall um, and the way that the rampant misogyny, which we'll get into, um, and this like weird fan base of a lot of women, a lot of women, a lot of young women um, have like really rushed to protect Johnny Depp and like the vicious attack of Amber Heard when really she's the one with like a mountain of, of real tangible evidence. And then the evidence against her broadly is like pretty nitpicky and that I find pretty distressing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the evidence is, I think we're both like, all right, well, we want to see how this plays out. Um, Like there's a reason that in the UK (laughs) there's, there, there, there's a lot of evidence um, against Johnny Depp, and I mean Amber Heard's not the perfect victim, you know. They're in the audio footage, you know. So she's like kind of taunting him and things like that, but it doesn't. It's not equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're in a situation where you're a victim or a survivor of abuse, you're not always going to act quote unquote perfectly in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you might fight back. You might, which isn't imperfect. It's it's a it's a messy, yeah. <laughs> it's a messy issue, and it's hard to talk about because I don't want to characterize Amber Heard as like being wrong in how she responded because no one is the quote unquote perfect victim. That's the whole trap, right? Um, and I feel like now, like people were just like waiting, like chomp to chomp at the bit like salivating to like bring her down Mm -hmm. um with these memes and the mocking her crying and even if people didn't believe her there's not really any tangible reason to (laughs) not believe her right um like think about what kind of message that's sending to people who are survivors of abuse who are seeing themselves in this trial Mm -hmm. um it's super common for perpetrators to make threats about you know if you come forward I'm going to destroy you I'm going to humiliate you mm-hmm. and this kind of showed that that's uh, definitely definitely a possibility um it sets a really dangerous precedent as far as speaking out against abuse mm-hmm. um I was reading I forget which what her name is but there's a lawyer who's speaking about how she has had a lot of women reaching out to her about what they can do and if they need to like take down social media posts or what, you know, what they can say and what they can do now. And, um, and so many like prominent celebrities have supported Johnny Depp in this and Jason Momoa like, like liked his Johnny Depp's like, yeah. social media post and Amber Heard's. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what's he doing? Jason, you're not, mm, it's not really going to work, but like Jennifer Aniston, yeah like Johnny Depp's and plenty of um plenty of other people but I feel like a relevant hot take is that this is sort of the one of the loud responses to the Me Too movement mm-hmm. um being like from the the moment it started it was like it had gone too far yeah <laughs> and this feels like a very tangible way in which you know people are, are ready to be to be done with it and it's yeah yeah it seems like it's especially upsetting because 
because of the legal question um, that was like at the heart of the case, which was defamation, um, uh, Johnny Depp had said that Amber defamed him over one sentence, basically, in her 2018 mm -hmm. op-ed where she says she was, quote, a public figure representing domestic abuse. Again, just as a reminder, she did not name Johnny Depp. Um, and she said, I went further in the um, op-ed to say she felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. She said that in 2018, and I couldn't help but have a little pit in my stomach thinking, oh, man, like, see, wait till you just see. Um, and leading up to this trial, it was thought that Johnny Depp was not going to have success in this defamation suit in large part because he had sued The Sun, a paper in the UK, for defamation. And that judge ruled in that case that it was substantially true what The Sun had said when they called him a wife beater. So, mm -hmm. and in the UK, defamation cases are, are easier to prove. In the US, you have to prove the statement is untrue, whatever the person said. You have to prove that there was it was not only false, whatever they said, but that there was actual malice and that they knew it was false, what they were saying at the time and what they were doing had malice and ma malicious intent. That's really hard to prove in the U.S. Um, I think that uh, it, it's upsetting because when you look at the how many weeks, four, six weeks of this case, what is definitely clear, incontrovertibly, is that there was there was abuse happening, whether mm -hmm. it was like there was physical and verbal abuse, potentially sexual abuse um, or sexual assault. Uh, and to call herself um, a victim of domestic violence um, and not even uh, named up uh, was true or she and and even if you go to the lesser standard like was there actual malice or did she believe it was true she definitely believed it was true and that's we can get into some of the details like but contemporaneously for about 10 years like from 2013 maybe even before that text to friends pictures comments other people assistants mm -hmm. doctors you know physicians there is a back and forth where there is an understanding that he is um abusive or volatile um, in a variety of ways. So um, to for the for the court to rule that that actually yes, she did um, she did defame him and owes him 15 million dollars, I think it is. Um, when when she didn't use his name in an op-ed by the way, like um, someone made the kind of funny point that like a lot of people weren't aware of the op-ed when it came out. Like not everyone is reading the Washington Post op-ed section. And honestly, in 2018, there was such a slew of men that were getting exposed for the, for, for their vile behavior. Johnny Depp wasn't really registering. Um, and it, so it wasn't actually um, a major, a major thing. Um, and Depp kind of, his star was already kind of dimming. And that mm -hmm. was another thing that like, has been brought up in other places. Um, a journalist writer, Michael Hobbs, had pointed out, like in a lot of different, um, he, he he links to a lot of different articles, like between 2014 to 2018 ish, that are totally unrelated to any allegation Amber Heard made, where it's just like people are just saying he is like acting. Johnny Depp is acting more belligerent. He's had like f between five to like 
eight or 10 massive blockbuster flops, you know, he had, and then he, he kind of got revived with the Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, but like he, he, he was producing flop after flop. The Pirates of the Caribbean was like his, his greatest hits and, and, um, you know, but there are only so many sequels of that he was ever going to be able to do. So his career was kind of waning anyway, and he was getting negative press for his like gross behavior. And by the way, there's, yeah, anyway, so I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll wrap these like a little bit of a rambling thing, but just to say like that the, the fact that he won a defamation case in this instance is definitely part of the thing that sets a very pernicious precedent moving forward. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, and the way that he like used his substance abuse or it was used as almost like an excuse mm-hmm. with her, it was like a character assassination. Right. He even admitted to blacking out, mm-hmm. but said he wouldn't do certain things. And it's like, you've literally admitted to not remembering certain events. Yeah. And still we're here vilifying her. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. He was showing up to like sets late and drunk and like, by many accounts was already sabotaging his own career well before that op-ed even came out um and he was such a like snarky fuck during the the trial too just like so disrespectful like blowing kisses to like fans outside and just not not giving it the seriousness that it deserved um mm-hmm. and just yeah i just walked away with a real real bad taste in my mouth about him he's such a shit like what a sniveling fucking bastard um well they're both actors but he felt like he really he was acting his way through that trial mm -hmm. really masterfully oh yeah he was so so manipulative and like just like made a few comments disparagingly about her weight and things like we're in there and people are eating it up and that's, by the way, not a one-off. He was text. No. He would text her like, "Shut up, fat bitch" or "fat whore" or whatever. Yeah, and like, of course, the the we already talked about last um, last time we discussed this, but like the disgusting texts he sent. Mm-hmm. Um, his Remind was, us. Oh, <laughs> I think it bears. I think it bears a uh, repeating. <laughs> Maybe yeah, not word for like, word, but <laughs> talking about like burning and fucking her corpse kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it was like a quote. <laughs> Yeah. so they were joking he's joking about it and he didn't originally like come up with the words it was a quote from something else it's like yeah but you're using like i don't really care who originally said right. it or if it's in the context of comedy it's not you know like if, if it was reversed that would be like ah oh, the smoking gun like see she's awful because she said these things right. um but yeah in that the uk trial um they found that he had physically abused her on at least 12 occasions um, and found that the characterization of Depp was substantially true in the sun. It, it's, and then we come here and it's like, there's no logic to the, to the outcome. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense or hold up yet. No, it, it felt like there was constant, they were constantly putting Amber Heard in like, um, a catch-22 like if she did document the abuse or she mm-hmm. documented she took pictures of herself or had someone else take pictures of her bruises or cuts on her eyes her face her cheeks um 
it, people were accusing her of um, staging them. And then when she didn't take photos, like there was, uh, and, and like at one point when she had taken a bunch of photos, I think the lawyer for Johnny Depp was like, were you having a photo shoot today or something like a photo shoot in her apartment? Like she took mm-hmm. too many. And when she didn't take any, they were like, so you didn't take any photos here. You took no, there's no evidence of this, which is just like, okay, so you've set up a catch 22 here mm-hmm. of the documentation. I think the um, part of the issue seems to be that the jury was not sequestered. Um, so they were able to just consume as, I mean, they weren't supposed to, but it's like honor system. <laughs> you go home every day, like everyone else and like go online um so they were um and and one of the guys who i think was either in the jury or he was in the jury pool he wasn't disqualified after he revealed that his wife had texted him like amber heard is psychotic <laughs> so it's like okay um i feel like that's you know that's grounds for disqualifying in such a high profile case or really any case like yeah you think uh so there's you know there's just the whole and the fact that it was allowed to be filmed and streamed allowed for people to just cherry pick i think um there was a really great article um that monica Lewinsky wrote in vanity fair and she used the term media grazing um and uh talking about how we graze um through the testimonies and observe not the trial but distorted shadows of the trial i thought that that was like a really evocative way to kind of get at the way that most of us are understanding mm-hmm. what actually happened in this trial that we all for some reason like you know have to be involved in in some way if you were like a person in the world for some reason you just have to have you cannot get away or you couldn't get away from this coverage and it felt like she also kind of talks about how um uh feeling exposed actually makes us feel like um we don't want to get ourselves kind of like, we don't want to dirty ourselves with this. Um, and so it's kind of like, there's some sort of stench that kind of like lingers once you've consumed whatever piece of news there is on this trial. And I think that's sort of another interesting thing. Like, isn't it equally as destructive for people to have that feeling and be like, well, I'm just going to be above it. I'm not going to engage. I'm sure they're both awful or like, seems like Amber Heard was really trash, but like, I don't, I don't bother myself with these things when really like, this is an incredibly, incredibly disturbing case and people are, have all the wrong conclusions broadly about it. Yeah. And it's, it's the ripples of it. Like the way they attempted to and successfully in a lot of ways discredit her are the same ways like abusers and try to discredit um the people they're abusing and let's see let me poke over to my notes um so like for instance (laughs) diagnosing amber heard with a mental illness when you're not her doctor Mm. um and that is something that apparently happens in these trials um and also something abusers tend to do like oh she's crazy um and like and the uh the doctor dr shannon curry who testified on johnny depp's behalf and diagnosed amber heard who again was not her patient um she inaccurately linked um borderline personality disorder to being physically abusive which isn't isn't a thing um it's just 
they tried to frame Amber Heard as this like, hysterical, unstable, crazy um, person. And while Johnny Depp had the freedom to be a complicated guy, mm-hmm. Amber Heard did not have that same freedom and she was punished for it, absolutely. Um, and women who are victims of um, domestic violence and sexual assault have a much harder time um, being listened to than their assailants. And um, I was reading this New York Times piece that talked about that while the Me Too movement led to more awareness about the prevalence of rape, um, prosecutors still have a hard time proving sexual assault, assault accusations and the actual outcomes for people who commit these crimes aren't really, haven't really gotten any works in the past few years. Like the Me Too movement has been good for visibility, which is important, but people are still not really being held accountable. Um, and now it looks like the public opinion, if it ever really was there in support of Me Too, has certainly swung in the other direction. Just the, the glee with which people vilified her and mocked her. And yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. And it makes me feel like we hate women as a society. It makes me feel pretty bleak that... Mm-hmm just the the rampant misogyny and all of this and yeah it's if you have like i texted you this like if you have an imperfect victim and the perpetrators like captain jack sparrow like bye <laughs> like yeah. bye to any sort of justice like and like you mentioned it was also a lot of women who were um coming to johnny depp's defense which is just extra depressing to me yeah uh, that we're, we don't have each other's backs in that way um and it just yeah like I said bleak like when as a society are we ever going to move forward truly mm-hmm. um, it feels so often like you know one step forward two steps back on a lot of issues not just this one but this mm-hmm. is a very public thing and this was a pulse check that I wasn't <laughs> prepared for yeah <laughs> I didn't think culturally it was going to be quite this bad. It's like people on your timeline that you expected to be supportive of Amber Heard, or at least speak out against Johnny Depp, or at least not post mocking memes, you know, mm-hmm. just the, the popularity and the pervasiveness of the like anti Amber Heard pro Johnny Depp um, sentiments surprised me, which shouldn't have, you know, yeah, like I've been on the internet before, but <laughs> I just didn't think it would be quite so pervasive and across the board um, for so, so much of the trial. Right. I mean, and it really, like, I feel like I still, we have to, I, it, <clears throat> it's important to stress maybe for people who were media grazing lightly on this trial and still think perhaps like they're maybe there isn't as much evidence as there actually is against Johnny Depp. Like there, aside from his violent, the, the violence that was captured on video, um, the violence that was captured through his texts about Amber, there were, um, you know, assistants who witnessed violence. Like uh, he, there's a screen grab of a text where um, 
an assistant is talking to Amber or texting Amber and he said, he meaning Johnny Depp, he was appalled. I told him he kicked you and he cried. It was disgusting and he knows it. Um, you know, just basically like at every stage of this trial, um, the the facts, the texts, whatever contemporaneous information exists, they support the broad outlines of Amber Heard's account it, broadly at every stage. Um, and so while there are like little quibbles and there are certainly moments where she seems she seems like she is, you know, she's mad at him. She's taunting him. She is behaving in a way that is, I'm sure, is embarrassing for her when they're recounting. Like, I think I think what what was honestly the most damning thing for her and it's it kills me because it's just like you know there could be a mountain of evidence against Johnny Depp but for her there were a couple of audio clips that just I think sealed it for her and the jury just thought like it, and the misogyny just slid right through into everyone's bones um uh there's a the audio where Depp says um you hit me last night and Amber says I'm sorry I didn't hit, I'm sorry I didn't hit you in a proper slap I was hitting you not punching you you're such a baby grow the fuck up Johnny um she's she says, um, uh, and he, and basically, and then she admits that she sort of started the fight because, but he's, he's taping her, um, without her knowledge, you know, just, and he used that against her at a different point. Essentially all the evidence broadly confirms Amber's side of events, her stories. It's confirmed by different witnesses, friends, Johnny Depp staffers before he even dated Amber Heard. You know, well, actually, and during his, his dating Amber Heard, there are texts where he's like how he he's apologizing for his behavior, you know, deeply uh, like saying like so. And it's the type of apologies that are that come sound like someone did some really disastrous, awful shit. Um, and there, and and she describes like the periods after that of being like glowing, you know, or like a warm glow or whatever, which is something that a lot of domestic violence survivors talk about. Um, Their partner feels really bad and treats them really well, and then that doesn't last for very long. So that's something that's often discussed and that aligns. But this this sort of violent energy that he's had has also been well-documented like before he was dating um, Amber Heard and and married her. Ellen Barkin, who um, dated him in the 90s, said that he was controlling, jealous, and once threw a wine bottle across the room in one of his rages. Um, One of his other ex-girlfriends, Jennifer Gray, described him as, quote, crazy, jealous, and paranoid. There are anonymously sourced reports that said he paid his first wife an extra $1.25 million not to disclose a phone message in which he repeatedly used the N-word. And Depp himself said, quote, I have a lot of love inside me, but I also have a tremendous amount of anger, which I think is normal. He said that in 2000. He's uh, defended Roman Polanski in the past. He's um, friends with, we talked about this, um, another person who's alleged to have abused his girlfriend, Marilyn Manson. And Marilyn Manson now is, there's been reports of him like feeling emboldened by Johnny Depp's, by the lawsuit and feeling like he's going to use this exact same type of defamation against his abuse, um, the people accusing him of abuse. Yeah, there are texts where he talks about Amber Heard as being, quote, an idiot cow, a filthy whore, and a worthless hooker. Um, and one other text says like, I'll smack the ugly cunt around before I let her in. Don't worry. These are quote jokes, of course, you know, but ha ha, we're all laughing. Um, so anyway, there's just sort of, and, and directors who have worked with him, um, have also sort of said things. I'm trying to see if I can find in my notes, like a couple of other, maybe I'll find them as we keep talking about it, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. And he, 
there are a lot of people that just straight up don't believe her and think that he didn't do anything. And then there's people who are fine with him doing stuff. So there's this TikTok that went viral um, where there's um, a quote that says, he could have killed you, which is the text over a picture of her bruised face. He had every right. Whoa. Um, And it has a, yesterday it had more than 222,000 likes wow um which is just he could have killed you he had every right okay so that's a take as well um (laughs) in the last discussion we touched on this a little bit but the idea of mutual abuse Mm -hmm. um is not a thing uh Mm -hmm. um according to experts domestic violence experts um there is no such thing as mutual abuse there's a primary aggressor and a primary victim um sometimes you have a survivor defending themselves or getting upset or you know quote-unquote lashing out in some way but mutual abuse isn't a thing it implies like an even footing that is not there Mm um so i did just want to flag that um There was a um, study that was based on interviews with prosecutors, police investigators, survivors, and it described a perception that decisions about which cases to pursue, um, so like sexual assault cases, are based on the likelihood of a conviction and that more challenging cases, such as those that involved acquaintances or intoxication, were often rejected. And the report also found that some of those interviewed believed that prosecutors um, default to disbelieving victims until they prove their um, their credibility. And this was what I was speaking to earlier about the actual prosecutions and conviction rates for sexual assault cases being quite low. Um, they're mm-hmm. much lower than for other violent crimes um, when they're even it's much lower than other violent crimes to even be tried or for someone to actually be um, convicted and part of that is because of the culture we have of not actually believing women unless mm-hmm. there's I mean I don't even know unless it's like a caricature type of situation where she's like a little angel and he's a cartoon villain and there's witnesses and he's done it to 50 women and there's like video of all of it you know it's like it's quite rare in the context of other crimes to actually find someone um, guilty of sexual assault. And this trial um, is a good example of that, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when there are mountains of evidence. Mountains. Yeah. She had mountains here. um, And yet defamation somehow, she, she was, the jury found that she had defamed him, which I find like, just tangibly false Uh, there and there's a great quote by moira donegan saying if women can't speak about their experiences of gender abuse without incurring ruinous defamation suits then functionally that speech by women is not free yes like it's the nail on the head um and by the way where are all those free speech advocates where are all those like just asking questions just the devil's advocate Mm. (laughs) I don't know where they are. They're over there liking a liking memes of Amber Heard crying. Yeah, and I mean, I think there is an element of this which I, you know, am not really 
qualified to speak too much on, but but just the there's a layer that is like the internet meme culture and the mm-hmm. the ways that some people get a lot of can monetize their content about Amber Heard and mm-hmm. John Depp in this trial. There are people who are live streaming the whole thing, their reactions, and you get money based on how many people are viewing your salacious mm-hmm. vitriolic posts about this, regardless of whether or not there's any shred of truth to what you're saying. And of course, you know, so much of this is bad faith. Um, and so that is like, just seems like a self-perpetuating cycle of toxicity. Um, and, you know, I don't know what role that 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 played in the actual, the ultimate decision, but it feels like it was a, it, it must've been substantial. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of people in these domestic violence cases or don't want to go to trial because they don't mm-hmm. want a lot of their, the most public things about their lives to be on full view for everyone to see. And, um, so there were like, I forget who I was reading, who was talking about how they're, are often settlements out of court for whatever amount of money, whether or not guilt has been proven or because they just don't want to go to trial. This is going to embolden people to go to trial and um, it's going to encourage a humiliation of the person who's um, trying to seek justice for themselves. And I mean, leaving it up to a jury, I feel like there are so many flaws with jury trials, but this is this is um, this is sort of like an unlock on a kind of scary new world that we're in. And mm-hmm. like you alluded to, um, or said actually, <laughs> like you the words you used, um, <laughs> like you said, uh, there we're seeing this in a lot of different areas. I think next week we're going to talk about the extreme. Um, anti-LGBTQIA, anti-trans movement that's sweeping the nation really head spinningly fast at this point and get into that. Um, But it's also happening with teaching history in the form of like this boogeyman called critical race theory, whatever that means. Um, And then there's um, women's reproductive health, I would say like, and, and the Black Lives Matter movement, like two things that saw a buoying of support in like uh, 2018 through 2020, maybe um, a little bit. And then just a vicious, vicious backlash. Um, This is all while um, a lot of states have made it harder to exercise your right to vote. Gerrymandering makes it harder for your vote to even be heard. Um, The way the system's already set up makes it hard for people on the coasts to have their voices heard at all. Their vote counts eight times less than someone's in Nebraska, that type of thing. So, um, and it seems like the political figures that are getting amplified, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, like Lauren Boebert, these people are um, not um, complying with subpoenas for the January 6th commission. That's a whole thing we haven't really even touched because it's it doesn't even seem like the Justice Department has the balls to go after them or the <laughs> vagina. They don't have the guts. They don't have the guts to go after them. Merrick Garland has been a total disappointment. It, it, it seems like there's a total collapse. And, and meanwhile, we're also in the landscape of, of these mass shootings um, uh, and, and trying to cope with that and understanding kind of the, de- the depressive reality that like our government can't do anything. And I'm, we're sitting here today and Matthew McConaughey spoke at the White House and gave what was the most like, why is Matthew McConaughey the one who, who gave the best and most impassioned um, plea for a bipartisan solution? It shouldn't be that way, but good for him. But also like, why did it have to be that? 
what timeline have we wound <laughs> up on? It is a fucked up one. I don't know how this the universe did this one, but I don't like. And Doctor Oz winning the Republican primary. Oh, I, me. I, he's such a shit. He's not. He's a fucking charlatan and a buffoon. Yeah. Um, but just like, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but people assuming that when you have a doctor in your name, you're full trust. Mm. Not always. Not always. It's not like cops, but <laughs> we just need to critically think about humans as individuals and not just be like, oh, well, Dr. Oz. Like, no, 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 no. No. He's not. He's, he not, he's not good. He's peddled some, some bullshit that either he knows is not accurate, in which case he's evil, or he's not intellectually capable of the position he's in. Either way, mm-hmm. Trump endorsed, won the Republican primary, so <laughs> we'll see. I just... Uh... I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know anymore. It's it's a troubling world we live in, and I don't know. Yeah, when Matthew McConaughey, it's like, <laughs> yes, you are the political future of this country. I'm just like, oh, I know. And we were like talking about how Matthew McConaughey. It's like, what has he stood for? Like he he had some interview where he was implying maybe he was going to get into politics, and you and I were both like, he didn't like know anything or stand for anything he didn't Mm -hmm. seem to think voting rights was an issue in texas so like there are problems with matthew mcconaughey stepping into this realm generally i think but i was sort of weird oh no oh my god he's wearing glasses we're gonna have to trust him here Uh (laughs) glasses now the rebrand and it's i like matthew mcconaughey me too always found him likable but I, I just was not. sort of like, he yeah. shouldn't have to show up here, like, imbued with the authority of being an Uvalde native. And we've just, we've allowed, like, you know, since no one has done anything, we get Matthew McConaughey up here for, oh, my God. And maybe it was a great speech. People, you know, it's like, maybe that's, maybe that's what we do need is Matthew McConaughey. Because we don't, we clearly don't know what is going to drive positive change in this country. because. Um, Oh no! We're I mean, sliding down a shit-covered hill into the flames, and... which apparently you and I are just contributing to because Democratic me- young Democratic men think feminism does done more harm than good. Apparent, according to the <sighs> most recent studies at the Southern Poverty Law Center, I was like, "Well, go fuck yourselves!" <laughs> Absolutely. What is the harm? Tell me. More oh. harm than good. Oh my god! Of course, and those people probably voted for Bernie. <laughs> she is never gonna be over it. <laughs> never over it. <laughs> I mean, I I forget who it was, but someone's like, "Oh, maybe Frankie will be the first woman president." I'm like, oh god, she's six months old. Really? We really think it's gonna? Okay. I mean, actually, maybe we never will. You know, maybe the world will just explode before mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. We hate women. Like, it's just. The more and more I live this life, the mm-hmm. more and more I see how like deeply embedded um, and insurmountable <laughs> it seems to be. I know. To just, you know, it's like you see these these gains, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, but it's it doesn't seem like hearts and minds don't seem to really be changing. 
No. No. And I, your cat's upset about it. My cat. My cat is is upset about it. Yeah, he's a feminist. Oh, a feminist. Oh, oh my gosh. I honestly, it's just it's a really dark time. I I saw um someone on Twitter talk about how this feels like this this foreboding of like this is going to be a very bad summer, <laughs> and um. I was like, yikes. I, you know, I feel like that's right. I mean, I have no evidence to suggest it would be a a progressive, positive summer. But I just wonder like exactly how toxic it's gonna get. Um, and what's gonna really need to happen for anything, like for some sort of lasting positive positive movement. Like we need to get out of this like toxic sludge rut, this quagmire that we're all in. Um I think like the longer the pandemic drags on, like the long and like is that going to be forever? Just wondering. Um, um, maybe monkeypox will take over. Guys, just kidding. It's not as it's looks scary, but it seems like that's that's they're hyping it. There, there's a lot of hype for monkeypox, and I'm not here for it. We don't need. We don't need to. We don't mm-hmm. need to. Um, the BBC is your best friend. Just go look on BBC about monkeypox. You'll feel better. Um, but it is sort of like I just I I really I worry and I've had this conversation now with a couple of people it's beginning to make more and more sense to me which makes me sad that honestly it feels like maybe the country needs to just be broken up into two like the coasts and maybe if like Chicago wants to join and then the middle of the country can have the middle of the country. And then they can they're, – they're the people who are the majority in the middle of the country, they always talk about it because there's that map that has a whole bunch of red in the middle, but it's not that many people. You guys can have the laws that the majority that you want. And then the coasts with the millions and millions of people who no one ever caters to get any of their votes, which is so crazy to me. It's like the forgotten miners of Pennsylvania, but like, okay, what about the forgotten fucking humans of Brooklyn who like no one would ever, can you imagine a presidential candidate actually trying to win votes in like Brooklyn or like the middle of Manhattan? I mean, you go there for fundraising and rallies, but you would never go there to actually, because the voters of Manhattan matter in the, in the presidential election you know imagine if you actually had to get the voters of manhattan and like la and we would have a completely different the country would look different in terms of who was leading us yeah don't have to cater to the lowest common denominator i my only problem with this plan is like the kids were born in that in the middle of the country oh you're so good yeah yeah, they have no choice (laughs) you know we could accept people we, the coasts, could if accept anyone. It, yeah. Through their adolescences, you know, if they're not, like, like-minded. I know. Honestly, it's awful and harsh, and I don't know how I feel about it, except just, just it's I like, think- I'm sick of not being represented, you know, not feeling like my vote matters, yeah. or The way the we're people. doing it is wrong. We shouldn't, land shouldn't have votes, you know, which is essentially, yeah. should just be a popular vote. Boom. 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 Solved it, but but alas, the right one allowed. But it it feels like, God, it just feels like a fucking wasteland at this point. I don't know what. And they have us in a vice grip. They really do. Mm-hmm. And it's just like Joe Biden throwing up his arms, being like, "I want to do stuff, but I can't." And like, there is some truth to that, but there's also like, there's some. Come on, give us something, Joe. I'm 
I'm reminded now of all of the people chitter chattering when he was trying his argument for getting elected. He's disproven the reason. Reaching across the aisle. Granted, the aisle refuses to be reached across, but he shouldn't have said he would. He could do it. We just shouldn't have picked someone who said. I mean, no. And he's so ill-equipped. He's not even. I mean, the thing is, it's depressing to see to watch someone who's not even fighting for like anything that he really was saying when he was trying to activate votes you know he was saying things to get the voters we all voted for him even though mm-hmm. because we didn't have a choice cue the bo burnham song have you seen the like he he released like the outtake the, the joe rogan no joe, joe he did like a joe Bi- um bo burnham is- did a joe biden song i didn't see the biden song i saw the like joe rogan one. Oh, okay yeah that was funny too this was like he was like it was like the jeffrey bezos one kind of but he was like how was the best case scenario, Joe Biden, Joe, Joe, Joe. <laughs> and yeah. um, that's how I feel, obviously. Where's our just... vice president? I never see her doing anything. Oh, my God. Where, where is she? What is she doing? But also, like, where are the mystery 10 moderate conservatives, who do, Republicans, who Joe, Joe Manchin could speak to? There's moderates. The the one of the worst misconceptions I know, like I will just scream this until like I'm blue in the face. The one of the worst misconceptions I think currently about like what's going on culturally and politically is that the moderates are being held hostage by the extremes on both sides. The moderates aren't doing jack shit. If they got mm-hmm. all together, we could get common sense, lots of shit passed. Yeah. They don't do anything. Joe Manchin, Joe Biden, all of the Joes, all of the quote-unquote moderates, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Kirsten Cinema. you guys, you hold a lot of power and you're only using it to advance your own personal interests, your own personal coffers, all while somehow getting to sort of seem like you're, you've risen above politics. Like you decide things on a case-by-case basis based on the merits because you're an independent thinker. Nothing is further from the truth there. And as uh, the more people who can get that into their brains, the better. Yeah, absolutely. The, the myth of the moderate, it's, it's not, we, I just want things to be better. I do too. Oh, okay. We we danced into the hellscape, the, the broader hellscape. But is there anything else we want to touch on with this? I I think we spoke to all the depressing angles <laughs> we wanted to about the discrediting of survivors, mm-hmm. precedent that's set now, the just ignorant ignoring facts. I mean. Me too, gone too far. Yeah. We've covered the depressing bases of the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp. And like, what what from here? You know, it's like, because she was like edited the fuck out of Aquaman and he's going to be, it's just like, oh God. His career is going to be revived and she will never work again in Hollywood. Yeah. And we'll probably deal with like death threats and everything. She wasn't even like, I guess one thing to stress too, is that when they started dating, I mean, there was, there's like a 25 year age gap. She was like in her early twenties. He was in his late forties when they started dating. Um, He is one of the biggest movie stars in the world, like tons of money. Um, and she was not, um, Mm -hmm. and she was getting her career off the ground, but like nothing compared to him. Um, so just generally the power dynamic, um, 
from almost any way you slice it was very much in his favor. Um, uh, but with all of that said, she went up against him and it's so sad. Um, the facts were on her side broadly throughout the whole case. Um, and you shouldn't have like, like you shouldn't have to be a perfect victim to be able to, um, if you have proof of, of, of abuse, which she absolutely does. Um, the fact that, it's just the the root of the finding from the jury that she defamed him, even though she didn't use his name. She just, and one sentence of the Washington Post op-ed about being a survivor of of abuse, uh, and it, it that's inc- it just is going to be such an awful precedent going forward. So, <sighs> and now for we see you. Oh yay. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So the Bronx, you may be familiar with him. He's a a great egg. I'm a you know what I'm a yeah. fan. I'm a fan. Um, his daughter Simone um, is has become a wrestler, which I think is kind of cool. Um, people are mad because she has not quote unquote honored him by having a stage name that is an homage to his name. Um, and a bunch of men on the internet are angry because she's ungrateful and she's not, you know, giving credit where credit's due and da 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 da. And then, of course, they're being critical of her looks and making rude jokes about that as well. Mm. Um, but the thing is, I have a feeling like if she did come up with some. I don't know. I'm not going to come up with what her clever little wrestling name would be if she was <laughs> doing, you know, a, a variation of The Rock. But then they'd be like, oh, he, she's riding his coattail. She's only famous because she's The Rock's kid. She doesn't have any skill of her own. Da, 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 da. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Amber Heard, where as a woman, it's there's so many catch 22s um, mm-hmm. where it's like, how does she win here? Either mm-hmm. she credits her dad and she can't do anything for herself or she doesn't quote unquote honor him by using his name and she's being disrespectful to the legacy. It's just I feel like every day is peppered with so many examples of this tightrope, this invisible tightrope. Women and girls are expected to walk where there's just like contradictions inherent in, you know, in it so mm-hmm. we see you to the haters and i wish her the best in her wrestling career i think it's really cool and yeah women yeah. and girls doing typically male things love to see it yeah and the, um, the haters don't get her down too much it's just i feel like you have enough to deal with if you're you know a woman in a male-dominated industry or sport and then to add <sighs> people who are fans of your father who have this like misplaced anger toward you yeah doesn't need it so no. i hope she rocks her next match oh. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and uh yeah we see you to men on the internet with opinions That's oh all. man we see you um my we see you is um to a recent supreme court case that came out last week which um effectively condemns a man uh, to die despite strong evidence that he is innocent. Um, The court basically overruled two of its previous decisions, and um, the likely result is that um, Barry 
Jones, who was sentenced to die for a 1994 murder, um, is probably going to be executed. Um, there is considerable evidence that he is innocent. Um, and the precedents that the court just overruled were two cases um, from 2012 and 2013, which would have that precedent would have guaranteed this guy a new trial because those decisions deal with what happens when someone accused of a crime receives ineffective assistance of counsel twice. Um, so there's there has been um, there's significant precedent where the Supreme Court has held basically that um, if a counsel's performance was deficient um, and this preju- prejudiced the defense, um, you get a new trial. And if it happens twice, like you should really be entitled to a, a new trial. And if there's any new evidence that's come up that would prove your innocence, any new evidence evidence at all, you should be able to, that should be able to be presented. Um, this is supposed to be a safeguard against inadequate lawyering um, and like, people who don't have the resources and maybe have um just didn't get didn't get real assistance um so this is this is like a really important thing especially for people with less resources and you know maybe they and, and bad faith acting lawyers who are maybe just taking on too much work and not actually giving anyone their full attention and you know we we are all entitled to a lawyer and to um counsel representation, but it's not just supposed to be someone who's warming a seat and collecting a check. It's supposed to be someone who's actually advocating and actually making sure that there's a, a burden of proof on whoever is acu- uh, on proving that the person who's accused is actually guilty. Um, and if they fail, that it's part of our constitutional protection to have ad- an adequate lawyer when we have been accused of something. So anyway, this is all to say that um, in this case, um, Clarence Thomas, who the fuck else, um, ruled basically that um, over overturned these two precedents. Um, and even though that there's ample uh, ample evidence that this man actually didn't commit this crime in 1994, um, apparently that is not uh, relevant to Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at, uh, let's see. Uh, reading a bit of the dissent from Sotomayor, um, who was dissenting, she said, uh, the Sixth Amendment guarantees criminal defendants the right to the effective assistance of counsel at trial. Uh, This court has recognized that right as a bedrock principle that constitutes the very foundation of our adversary system of criminal justice. Um, So that's kind of one interpretation um, of the Sixth Amendment and what what we're afforded. Clarence Thomas um, wrote for the... (laughs) Republican majority, um, that uh, federal habeas corpus proceedings are problematic because they, quote, override the state's core power to enforce criminal law. Um, When a federal court deems someone's conviction constitutionally inadequate, Thomas complains, it, quote, overrides the state's sovereign power to enforce, quote, societal norms through criminal law and, quote, disturbs the state's significant interest in repose for concluded litigation. (laughs) Um, so as um, Ian Milheiser wrote in Vox, he wrote, thus, in Thomas's view, the purpose of a state-conducted trial is to give criminal defendants a procedure in state court. But once that process is concluded, the state's court decision should remain final, even if that means executing an innocent person or condemning someone in violation of the Constitution. This is consistent with his longtime position. He um, 
he advocated this in 19 in the 1993 case um, claiming that there is, quote, no basis in the Constitution for a right to demand judicial consideration of newly discovered evidence of innocent innocence brought forward after condition after conviction. Um, that's I read that as like extremely extreme <laughs> um, and and not just heartless, but seemingly not really in keeping with the spirit of what the Sixth Amendment and uh, would represent. And I don't, I don't even think if you're thinking of things from a strict constitutionalist um, perspective, if you're going to really take the like word of the Sixth Amendment and and what did the founders intend, you, I don't think there's persuasive arg- arguments to say that um, even using that constitutional philosophy uh, that if new evidence is discovered, you are not entitled to uh, a new trial. Or if, it, or if it was discovered that you you weren't fairly represented. Um, so anyway, this just happened. Um, there's been a couple of really good podcasts on it because um, I'm kind of like babbling through it. There's a lot of um, a lot of like technicalities to this case that I think maybe are part of why the Supreme Court, by the cons- the conservative majority, um, probably like rested on that on those technicalities. But ultimately, they're they're functionally overturning two really two to three important precedents from the last like thirty years, thirty or forty years, um, and um, the result is that uh, an, most likely an innocent man is going to uh, be executed. So we see you to the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. Fucking not a lot of justice there. A lot of justice is not a lot of justice in this conservative majority. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Dylan Oz, who is a Christian hate preacher, um, has called for all gay people to be executed and claimed that all homosexuals are pedophiles, that either they've done the crime or they haven't had the opportunity yet. Cool. Um, atrociously bad take on all sides, um, mm-hmm. understatement. And actually, the bat, not that I need to refute his fact, quote unquote facts, but the vast majority of pedophiles and child molesters are straight actually disproportionately so it's not the same proportion as in the general population straight people are more likely actually to be pedophiles uh, mm. than people who are gay mm. so <laughs> interesting 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 hot take wrong on all counts by this asshole who says that his religious book give gives the, the green light to execute people based on their sexual orientation um we'll get into next week um just how fucked this country is when it comes to lgbtq um, rights particularly for trans individuals but i saw this today and had to had to call it out because it's just so wildly hatefully disgusting and um ethically and factually wrong so two for two buddy uh we see you to dylan oz i hope that finds Jesus. Wow. We see you. Ah, All right. Um, This next one is about Poland, where they already banned nearly all abortions and they are now creating a pregnancy registry. Um, This uh, reported, or I'm reading the report from Jezebel, um, which is talking about, uh, and quoting from an AP report, um, 
where the country is now collecting uh, data on people who are pregnant um, anytime they're basically at the doctor's office, um, which is obviously um, alarming for a lot of reasons. um, The Polish executives are saying that this is only for medical experts. The data won't be used by the state, but it's like, that's, doesn't make any sense, especially if like anyone has a stillbirth or a miscarriage for any reason, it's potentially a criminal matter. Um, so basically anytime that there's a detected pregnancy, um, you now will be tracked all the way through to your birth. Um, so, and, and this did happen in, um, I mean, I'm sure it's happened in a lot of places, but I'm thinking specifically of um, Romania. It happened in the when um, they were under the like what was it the fascistic rule of the um, oh, I'm gonna forget that guy's name Coronau Cor- or something. Anyway, um, there's a there's a movie called um, Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days, which is a Romanian film from I think like 2013. Highly recommend. It's um, great film about two friends trying to get one of them an abortion um, under this, like an illegal abortion under this, like, um, like super conservative um, state where your pregnancies and your periods are basically tracked. Um, it's sort of frustrating because I can easily see this happening here because the same type of justification is being used by the Polish government as um, conservatives use in the U.S., which is like this is all for women's health. Like these restrictions are for women's health. Um, the health ministry um, said that, you know, this is really just to meant to meant to improve medical treatment of patients, um, including if they seek treatment elsewhere in the 27 member EU states. Um and he said, in the case of pregnant women, this will help doctors immediately know which women should not get an X-ray or certain medicines, <laughs> which is like the weakest shit ever. Like that's not generally a problem that um, needed to be addressed through a pregnancy registry. No. Um, and they they said nobody is creating a pregnancy registry in Poland. By the way, they they're 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 denying it while doing that exact thing. So it's just sort of like it's really scary. We know that that's kind of like what's on deck for us as a country. Um, and it's yet another way that um, I think that this, you know, a lot of states will move towards um, controlling women's health. Like it's going to move past, uh, it's going to move past the idea of an abortion and, and very much into now that we're in your body and able to kind of like control what decisions you make, we can also monitor you and your, and your, um, your pregnancy or your potential pregnancy. So it's really fucking scary like we see you to Poland for, you know, reminding the conservative U.S. conservative calamity of a country that we're in that this is something they can also do. So we see you. We see you. Fuck that. Speaking of fuck that, um, Tempe, Arizona. Mm. Yep. Um, so the three Tempe police officers responded to a call and they found um Sean Dickens, who was a man of color, um, he was drowning. Um, he told them he was drowning, and an officer told him to swim to to something, and he said he can't. And the officer says, "I'm not jumping in after you." Um, and base and Sean Dickens was begging um, 
begging for help and they just looked on while he drowned. Um, they're on uh, paid non-disciplinary administrative leave, um, these three officers, as the investigation happens. There's body cam footage um, that they'll be reviewing that I never want to watch. Um, and apparently Tempe police are reassessing their water response protocols. I just, there's no world in which three police officers should just stand and watch a man drown. Mm -hmm. either they were acting according to protocol and the protocol is fucked up and doesn't actually do what people believe police should do or they were breaching protocol either way um once again the police are ineffective and another person of color is dead because of it um and I mean, we see you, it was disgusting to see and read this. And unfortunately not another thing that's not surprising in this country anymore. Um, and I don't know what it's going to take for improvements in that, but we need to keep speaking out about it when it happens and we need to defund the police, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll leave it there. We see you. Yeah, we see you. That was a totally horrifying thing to to read and to see and uh I can't imagine being his wife who was right there and had said like I'm just shocked I'm just like I can't believe you you aren't going in there he's begging for help um so yeah they were looking up whether he had any warrants out right they were doing that that was the priority maybe save the man's life because you're an officer of the law I know that there's like they always I mean cops sometimes will like lean on the whole like well we don't have to put ourselves in danger that's like part of the but it's sort of like yeah but like three of you there are three people here and you (laughs) there are ways to like I mean you're not even attempting the thing is you didn't even try you didn't even you just didn't want to get wet you know what was it what was the issue here and said I'm not gonna go out there why don't you try swimming I mean yeah yeah anyway disgusting I'm glad you brought that one um, yeah, my last one is actually for Jill Biden because yesterday I was sort of grossed out to see her participating in the unveiling of a new postage stamp honoring First Lady Nancy Reagan. Um, I was just sort of like, mm, this seems to me just like to have a stunning lack of awareness, intelligence, empathy. I, I tweeted, like, does anyone at the White House have a pulse right now? Um, you know, aside from the tangible harm of Nancy Reagan, this is just optically so fucked, you know, doing it at the start of Pride Month. Um, Nancy Reagan was not really an ally in the 80s during the AIDS crisis. Um, she and her husband um, didn't do shit for the community um, as, uh, as, you know, that crisis that pandemic killed so many. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that she's really someone to like necessarily be like celebrating on a postage stamp, but definitely not this month. Um, and I thought, you know, Jill was maybe better than that. And then just as I thought I couldn't get more sort of irked by the situation, 
uh, I noticed that Louis DeJoy was there, um, the postmaster general from hell, <laughs> the one who took away a ton of voting machines and different voting sorters right before the election and has made everything slower and has millions of dollars in stake in the UPS um, competitor company. So weird. Why is he there? Why is he there? So it just reminded me that like he has a job in this administration and once again, things that they could do or try to do to make anything better. They're really not. They're sitting there being quote unquote moderate and pissing me off. We see you. (laughs) Nancy. Yeah. Does anyone, is anyone paying attention? Who, (laughs) who made that, who, who made that happen? So many people allowed that to happen. Yeah. People didn't say, maybe we shouldn't do this. (laughs) I don't don't know who's running this. Um, All right. A good thing. So, there was a small trial, um, only 18 patients in it, and all of them took the same um, drug to to treat their cancer. And every single patient, this has literally never happened before um, in a cancer study, um, went into remission. So their cancer became undetectable by physical exam, endoscopy, PET scans, MRI scans. Um, it just completely... <laughs> Um, you know, treated the cancer in every single person. So like I said, it was a small study, um, only 18 people, but that is incredibly um, hopeful information, um, really promising. And like I said, hasn't ever happened before. So this is very exciting and hopefully we'll hear more um, on this. But for now, it's it's a good thing. Yay, science. Like in Yay. the in the hellscape of all of these things going on, it's nice to know that there's real progress potentially being made on that front. Um, yeah. So it won't matter if, you know, all the ice caps melt and we all explode, but <laughs> this is a good thing. That um, is a good thing. That's really yay. exciting. That's really exciting. Yay, I say. Yeah. Yay. Well... Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.com slash podcasts. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. That's so weird. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>